Welcome to the Hillside Podcast. We trust that you'll be impacted by listening to today's message. Welcome Hillside family and for those at home, we are opening up our hearts and welcoming you. I just trust that Holy Spirit is just touching you where you are today and that you can just be so filled with Him this morning. We are in such a beautiful, gentle place this morning. And I trust that Holy Spirit is just going to continue to minister to us. So we've been busy with the Jesus Is series, and it's been such a powerful series. We started off with Luke, that we're sharing about Jesus, the light of life. Then Evan shared on Jesus, your identity. We then had Roger that preached on Jesus, revealer of the Father. And then last week, Graham shared with us, on Jesus, our commissioner. If you've missed any of the preachers on the series, I will encourage you to please go look up for it on YouTube. It's all there. It's been such a powerful time of just leaning into who Jesus is. And so today, I want to look at Jesus is our bridegroom. And what does that mean for his bride? So if you don't mind, I want to open up and pray. I say, Holy Spirit, use me. Let me be the vessel that brings your word this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that our hearts will be open, our ears will be open, our minds will be on you. Lord, let my own agendas not get in the way of your agendas. Use me. Fill me and renew me as I bring this word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are so faithful and you are so good. Amen. So Jesus, our bridegroom, I planned this preach in a way of wedding prep. What does it look like to do wedding prep? It says we are his bride and we are planning for the wedding. So the first thing you do is you start planning the wedding. If you've been through planning a wedding, or you are still going to plan a wedding, you pretty much know the bride gets to say in everything. The bride plans pretty much everything. The groom just stands there, he's just over there, he can maybe supply the drinks, but in reality, the bride does everything. The bride decides, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? How many people are going to come to the wedding? How are the decor going to look? What's the flowers going to be like? And the poor groom just stands over there and just nods his head. And yes, dear, no, dear, maybe, dear. Can I get a color in there, dear? (laughs) But no, the bride is, no, I'm planning this wedding. This is my special day. And she forgets about the bridegroom. You know, the bride is okay for the groom to pay for everything. Pay for the wedding, pay for the dinner, pay for the venue. But please don't interfere in my planning. This is my day. I am the bride. But you know, in the kingdom, it speaks of the upside down kingdom. And in the scripture, it says, you lose to gain and you die to live. And it's the same with our beautiful bridegroom. 
You know, in, in Jewish customs, how it used to work on a wedding day is you used to get engaged and then the groom would go. He would just leave the bride and he would go do all the prep. He would go to his father's house and he would get a room ready for his bride. And it would take sometimes up to a year because he would make sure it is so perfect, it is so beautiful. And when his father says that it is good, the groom goes to fetch his bride and his bride stands there in all her glory and beauty waiting for her groom to return and he comes to fetch his bride. See, it's a bit different when we plan a traditional wedding. The bride gets all the glory. The groom is in the church waiting and everyone waits for the beautiful bride to come in. But that's not how it works. The bride stands looking, where is my bridegroom? It is such a beautiful image of her beloved returning to the perfect bride. And he has made a room in his father's house for you. The next thing in wedding planning, who gets invited to the wedding? We all have that one uncle. We all have that one family member that when you come to making the list for the wedding day, oof, he's going to embarrass us. He's going to drink too much. He's going to get loud. He's going to take the mic and he's going to make a speech. He's going to share family secrets. Oh dear, we can't have uncle, yeah. The reality is, everyone is invited to the wedding. Everyone. Even the dodgy uncle is invited to the wedding. You know, it has become so difficult when we start making a guest list to who belongs in the bride and who doesn't, who gets to partake and who doesn't. We become so judgmental of the bride. We become so critical and we start nitpicking and saying that, no, you are not worthy to be at my wedding. You are not worthy to come to this celebration but Jesus says, this is my bride. Everyone is invited. You know, the enemy has been so successful lately to turn us against each other. And it's not in obvious ways. It's subtle ways. Social media is not the devil. <laughs> It's a powerful tool that can really connect families and bring a lot of positive and ministries can be birthed through social media. But the enemy also uses it to turn brother against brother, to turn mother against child, to turn child against their parents because mom posted something on social media and it makes me uncomfortable. I do not agree with that. My brother posted something and believes in something that I don't believe in. So I am going to attack you and make sure that you know that I'm judging you right now. It is never our place to judge. When we start looking at each other as the enemy, we have crossed a line. 
when we start looking at each other like you are the problem, we have crossed the line. We need to stop doing that. Point blank, we need to stop doing that to the bride of Christ. Jesus is the bridegroom. And he says, my bride is beautiful. And my bride is glorious. And I am working on my bride to make her perfect and with no blemish. That is what my Jesus is doing. It is not my job to judge my brother or sister in thinking how I think they should behave. That is not my job. We need to change our vision. We get so consumed by the world that we take our focus off him. We're so busy looking around that we forget we need to look up there. I was having this conversation with a friend of ours and he was saying he went for an eye test and he was sitting there and if you've been for an eye test, you know the machine that they put in front of you and then they say one or two and you're like, it's blurry. And he goes, okay, three and four and you're like, it's blurry. And he goes, okay, what about one and four, this combo, how does this work? And you're like, am I meant to see something now? I don't know, it's still blurry. And it goes on and on, and it's such a frustrating process because you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, what's meant to happen here now? What, what, what now am I supposed to now? And then you actually even say, mm, you know, maybe one or two is a, is a little bit better. A little bit better is not what our Father is after. He's after perfect vision. Perfect vision. And then magically they do their thing and three and four and four and five, four, swish, 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 and it's clear. And you're like, wow, I can see. <laughs> because what has happened now is I've stopped taking my focus off from what my brother and sister is doing. And I'm now looking at my beautiful bridegroom who is so beautiful and so amazing. How can you not look at him? How can you not stare at him? How can you not be obsessed with him? It's far better than worrying about what your brother and sister is doing. There is such a frustration in the church at the moment, and it's globally. The enemy is picking on little things and little topics, and the church is rising up. It's a good thing to rise up, but do not rise up with hate and frustration in your heart. Do not rise up with judgment in your heart. You rise up with pure love in your heart. You look at situations and you don't call things disgusting. That's the bride you are talking about. You don't rise up and you say that, that what that person believes is wrong. That is not love. How do we expect to bring the kingdom into darkness if we are continuously telling the people in darkness that they are disgusting and not worthy? How do we expect to bring love when we are bringing hate and judgment continuously? Our Father is love. He is such pure love. And man, does He love His bride. He is obsessed with His bride. 
So can we stop doing that? Can we stop looking at what is wrong with the world and just bring Jesus because he knows what the answer is. He knows what the answer is. I wanted to look at the story in Matthew 25 about the 10 virgins waiting for the bridegroom. And I was going to read the scripture, but there's a worshiper named Misty Edwards. And when I just got saved, I, I sat and I listened to Misty for hours because she just had such a way of taking scripture and making it a prophetic song. She had such a special way of digging that well so deep for herself and when she worshipped, it was just between her and the Father. There was times where I would listen to her and it would be uncomfortable because she's so in love with her bridegroom. that I'm like, maybe I should leave the room here <laughs> because she's just so in love with him. So I wanted to go through Matthew 25, but I want to read her lyrics that she wrote when she prophetically did this song. And I really feel like Holy Spirit just really wants to minister through the song. You guys good? Amen. In that day, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins. In that day, in that day, all of them are waiting for the bridegroom. All of them are waiting and waiting and waiting. All of them have lamps and they are waiting. In the mundane, they are waiting. And when the night falls, they fall asleep. Each and every one of them, they fall asleep, waiting still for the bridegroom, waiting fast asleep. In the midnight hour, a cry will be heard, for behold, the bridegroom is coming. Behold, the bridegroom, go out and meet him. Awake, awake, O sleeper, and go out and meet him. And the 10 virgins will wake from the slumber. They'll be scurrying around into the streets. They will go out, shining their lamps, going out to meet him. It's the day they have been waiting for the wedding. And it's now around the corner. Finally, but the Lord says, the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Five will be wise and five will be foolish. Wisdom and folly defined by the master. For the foolish is so busy, they forgot to get the oil. And the clock now is ticking and they are trying to find oil. And the foolish are trying so hard to get their lamps lit. They are so preoccupied. They've been so busy building a ministry, planning and scheming and all the things, but they forgot the reality. They forgot the relationship. They forgot to get the oil on the inside and they forgot. Now the five who were wise, they had oil. For even though they were asleep, their hearts were awake. They did not get weighed down by the mundane or even distracted by their lamps. They had the first things first. They had the oil from the inside out. And the five who were foolish will say to the five who were wise, Oh, help us. Give us some of your reality. Give us some of your intimacy. Give us some of your oil from your lamp. But it does not work that way. And the five who were wise will say to the five that were foolish, go buy oil for yourself. You have to take the time to know him for yourself. I counsel you, buy it now. 
You have to get your own. I can't give you mine. For what is real will burn from the inside. And then on that day, the five who are wise will get to meet the bridegroom in the feast of the wedding. And there is still time. Oh, but the five who are foolish will cry. So while there is time, go buy your oil. I counsel you now. You have a name, but you are dead on the inside. But there is still time. What will we do with that time? Take the time to get acquainted with the Holy Spirit. Take the time to get to know His words. When His words are on your lips, you can't help but praise and worship Him. But when you get so consumed with what is in the world, the only thing that's on your lips is judgment and hate and frustration. How can the government do this? I'm so frustrated. How much time are you spending praying for our leaders? Really praying for our leaders, not to think like you think, but actually to pray for them. How many nights are you on your knees crying out for the prostitutes on the streets? Jesus, your bride. Jesus, your bride. Jesus, your bride is beautiful. When you look at the people next to you, all you see is Jesus because you're so consumed with his love. You are so filled with him that you can't help but look at people and see Jesus because it's in the inside. You can't help but see love. It speaks in Ephesians 5 verse 22 about husbands and wives. And it says that Jesus is like the bridegroom and we are his bride. And I read this beautiful story that I want to share. And it was such a beautiful explanation just of the bride. So we see in Genesis 2. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He had taken out of the man and he had brought her to the man. Then man said, this is now my bone of my bones, my flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. And that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become of one flesh. One flesh. In his perfect image. One flesh. And so when Jesus was on the cross, broken, beaten, mocked, ridiculed, ripped apart, vulnerable, exposed. And he's on the cross. And he dies as to being put to sleep. And they pierce his side as the sign of it is done. This is final. This is the final blow. And out of that wound, his beautiful bride is birthed. And it's such a beautiful space of knowing 
that he will complete what he has started. He will make us beautiful. He will make us pure. He will make us of our blemish, and he's already done it. God said to me last week, if I'm using the angry face emoji more when responding to people than praying hands, I've lost the plot. <laughs> I've lost the plot. And I even went into my timeline of emojis to see, like, what is my top five emojis? I was like, oh boy, angry face is there. <laughs> so my top five emojis I use all the time. Do we get angry with what goes on around us? Of course, of course we get angry, but it's how we respond from that place that makes the difference. It is how we respond. We don't just spew out all the thoughts that go in our head against our brothers and sisters. Church, I tell you, the enemy is such, such a prowling snake going around right now dividing the church there is such a spirit of division on the church right now and unless we awake 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 oh sleeper we are going to participate without even knowing it because we are so focused on what is wrong instead of what is right So he says to us, what shall we do? Love me, love each other, and tell the world how much I love them. That's, that's all we need to do. It's that simple. <laughs> it's not complicated. <laughs> love him, love each other. Tell those that don't know yet, I'm coming for them because I love them too much. He is our bridegroom and we are his beautiful bride. I want to end with praying for us. If you've been feeling like you've been getting so caught up with just frustration and anger and discomfort with the body and, and that critical spirit, and I'm standing because I need prayer myself. It's so easy to get angry in Jesus' name when it's not really in Jesus' name. I want to invite you to stand up today if you've been using your angry face emoji a bit too much. <laughs> Instead of your praying hands, which I'm not sure which emoji that is really. But Jesus knows. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit. And for you at home, and you, you feel like you've just really been so caught up in what you think Jesus should be doing right now. I just ask us to focus again on Him. Focus again on our beautiful bridegroom. Man, how He loves us. He really loves us so much. And I can't wait for that day when my bridegroom comes and I'm gonna run and kiss Him and just be like, oh Jesus, how I love you. In a very uncomfortable way. <laughs> but you are so good. So Holy Spirit, I pray today, I pray for the church. I pray that we will be so full of love that there is no space for hate. I pray that you will renew our minds and you will renew our hearts. 
I pray that where there's been a heart of stone forming around your bride, I pray, Lord, that your love will pierce through those walls. It will break down those barriers. It will prevent us from seeing race. It will prevent us from seeing gender. It will prevent us from seeing what is wrong with the bride. I pray, Holy Spirit, that our eyes will be so fixed on you, there won't be time to look at anything else. And I pray, Holy Spirit, as we go into this week, that you will just fill us anew. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. Let us love what you love. Break us for what breaks yours, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, our beautiful bridegroom.